before dawn, milk cows work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Well, the FAA has just announced that all flights across the U.S. grounded due to FAA computer outage. Hmm. Where's Pete Buttigieg? Pete Buttigieg must be on another six-month maternity leave or something like that. Who knows? But the latest is uh, the FAA is putting out these updates. It says the FAA is still working to fully restore the notice to air missions system following an outage. The FAA has ordered airlines to pause all domestic departures until 9 a.m. Wednesday. All right, so 9 a.m. Eastern time to allow the agency to validate the integrity of flight and safety information. So that's pretty amazing. Uh, That's a big deal. And it's happening a lot. You know, they can't weather the storm. They're having uh, computer outages. They have all kinds of problems. You, you, You know, Buttigieg cannot run the Department of Transportation uh, as well as, you know, he ran South Bend, which was horrible. Uh, potholes everywhere. You know, everybody was really upset with uh, Pete Buttigieg as a mayor. And not only that, but South Bend was a very small town. You know, it's, a, it's not that big of a town. It's not that big of a job. Yet he botched that. Almost as bad as Fetterman botched uh, the mayorship in Braddock. Pennsylvania. You know, but these Democrats keep getting promoted for their misdeeds. And that's just is the the way of politics it seems like that the worse you are, you know, you remember uh Susan Rice? Um you know, basically uh Benghazi, she lied about Benghazi. A senseless video. And that blew up in her face, and then next thing you know, she becomes uh, 
the chief uh, security uh, NSA officer. So, uh, or NSC officer, but she was the advisor to the President Obama because they have, it's hard to recruit people who hate their country as much as the Democrats that have been in office for 40 years. They've spent so much time fleecing America that they've sold their soul. Their soul is lost. It's gone. I mean, after a while, you know, the first time you uh, break the, the, the vow of trust, the, the first time you, you violate your oath of office, the first time you do it, you have some guilt. The second time you do it, you say, well, I know it's not right, but it's just too good to be true. And the third and fourth time you've done it, you've lost. You've, you're, you're gone. If that's not the best reason for term limits, I don't know what is. You know, for a long time, I've, I've been against term limits only because I heard this analysis once upon a time. Can't remember when or where. But they talked about the idea that... Uh, if you have term limits, then all you're going to do, the unintended consequence of that, because on its merits, I like it, right? I like that. I don't think people should be trying to go and uh, win an election seat and then, you know, for profit. I think that they should be doing it as a sacrifice to serve their country. But the problem is with that whole thing is is that the unintended consequence from what I learned from this analysis was that you would have a lot of politicians basically becoming bureaucrats. And then they said there's no term limits for bureaucrats. And they would be working as lobbyists and they would be working in you know in a desk job somewhere in the wheels of government, having uh, a lot to say about decision-making based on what they know. Because let's face it, these uh, officers are privileged. They have privileged information. But that's the other question, is why is everything so secret? Tucker Carlson's spent a lot of time with that this week. Why is our government so secret? And in fact, uh, there's a uh, you know part of my CIA uh, exposition, uh, the JFK assassination, CIA you know CIA killed JFK, and the CIA was involved with Watergate, and the CIA was also involved with Trump and the Russian hoax, and there's a whole bunch of players that are still alive whether it's Ruth Payne, you know, the friends of the Oswalds, or whether it was it's Stefan Halper, uh, who was a mole inside the Reagan White House. He was Herbert Walker Bush's advisor during the primary season of 1979 and 80 when they lost to Ronald Reagan. And then, oh, what just so happens that the... Uh, former ambassador to China, the former CIA director, 
You don't get to be director after just spending one day in the CIA. You've probably spent at least 10 years in the CIA, which would put you back in the JFK time. If you're, um, if you're uh, Herbert Walker Bush. So the idea here is that this spook becomes the vice president for Reagan, who didn't even like Herbert Walker Bush at all. Herbert Walker Bush had had the personality of uh, Peter Strzok, if you will, or John Brennan. You know, I mean, these are not very personality oriented people. These are losers at the CIA. These are these are those weirdos that pick their nose in the back of the class and eat their boogers. It's it's that kind of thing. Honestly, that it's weirdos. You know, with the pocket protector and all that. These are the people that they're hiring at the CIA. A bunch of losers. And the same thing goes with those people at the State Department. And there are a whole bunch of liberals, academics, based on all kinds of theories. They have all kinds of theories. All kinds of ideas that have never been tested or proven. And they've never run a business in their life. But yet, these are the people that are running our country. And so, Glenn Greenwald came out with this uh, piece that I'm probably going to run a couple of clips when I put together my CIA show. And um, and he was also talking about the privacy versus public. It's, you know, when you, you take a look at Nancy Pelosi, for example, they're trying to ask the questions to these people. Hey, what about those Biden documents? You know, what about those Biden documents that they found, right? How's that different than Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago documents? How's that different? And she's eating a cookie and she's acting like some pompous imbecile. And she's basically saying, I can't talk, I'm eating right now. And she's walking down the hallway with a group of posse, her posse, paid for by you. And it's just, when did it get to be this, this, they get the, they get the, uh, privacy they don't have to speak they don't have to answer to their boss they've forgotten who they work for why is it then that we are the ones now that are under scrutiny getting our wires tapped and our phones tapped and tracing our every move and controlling how much carbon footprint we can have and what we can say online and and uh and what kind of jab we get in our arm while everybody else is exempt the Congress people didn't need to get a vaccine. They were not. They didn't lose their job for not getting a vax. And so, when did that happen? It happened over time. And I actually think that before they decide to abolish the IRS completely and abolish income tax, which is something they're going to put on the floor, which is great. Because I'm all for the flat tax or sales tax or consumption tax or flat tax, fair tax, whatever you want. We're probably going to get Grover Norquist on to talk about that. Maybe Steve Morell. But, um, you know, the uh, the idea of a flat, you know, of, of abolishing the income tax, it suits me just fine. I, I think that would that, that's been an awful disaster. And not only that, but, you know, when you think about the uh, 
but but finishing wrapping up and putting a bow on that last piece is that the roles have flipped. The roles have flipped to where the public servants have privacy and the private sector is open to the public. You know, it's reversed. It's supposed to be full transparency in the government. Full transparency. I mean, there's no benefit whatsoever, absolutely none whatsoever, for the CIA to be covering up the JFK assassination, except for the fact that if we knew what they don't want us to know, we would abolish the CIA on day one. And they know it. And that's the problem. And the FBI, too. They're not a law enforcement investigating arm. They're a corrupt mob. Nobody should ever trust or cooperate with the FBI or the CIA, ever. Because they're not out for your best interest. The IRS, the FBI, the CIA are all fighting. Uh, they're all your enemy. It goes back to that thing I read on Monday. That we used to, you know, want to give our life. We used, to, we used to say we would give our life for our country. But now we are actually going to give our life for our family to protect ourselves from the government, from our country that's attacking us. Putin is not my enemy. Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, the globalist, socialist, tyrannical regulators who are pushing these hoaxes, whether it's COVID or climate, they are the ones that are my enemy. And it turns out that my government, the American government, the Canadian government, and many governments, and it's not by ide- it's not because the, their ideology is better. It's not because, oh, well, why do you think that all these governments keep adopting these principles? It must be that those principles are right and your ideas are wrong. And that's not the case either. Because I, I will admit, almost everywhere you go, you see these governments and they're all globalist socialists. How do they keep winning these elections? And they're winning them because of coercion, of sticks, not carrots. They're not winning the hearts and minds of people. They're basically being coerced to being in the club or out of the club. It's sort of like that private society at Yale, the skull and bones or something like that. You're either going to die by the sword or you're going to be part of the sword. There's all kinds of ways to coerce. And you could be a saint and you go to Washington and guess what will happen? You end up like Donald Trump. You know, I heard this from many sources. Vladimir Putin's problem with Trump was he didn't have any data on Trump. Trump was an uninsured, you know, loose cannon that didn't need your money. He couldn't be bought. And so there was no way to, to offer him carrots. How do you get the person who has everything, right? What do you get the person who has everything? That's, uh, have that, I have that problem every Christmas, right? 
But the idea is that they had to manufacture a crime because he was Teflon. He was bulletproof. He had all these layers around him for his whole life, Donald Trump, because everybody wanted to sue Donald Trump for the last 50 years because he had money, right? Everybody wanted to entrap him, sue him. All the all these different people, you know, get him in a hotel room and client claim rape or something like that. You know, but there was always this stuff. So he had a whole ar- array around him that kept him safe. And no dirt ever stuck to him because he was layers away from any dirt that he, but he never drank, he never smoked, he, you know, he, he never uh, had these vices except for diet soda, I think. But here's the thing. They couldn't get them, so they manufactured it. You could be Mother Teresa and win a seat in Congress. And if you don't play ball, they will actually make you out to be the biggest villain on the planet. They could do it. They'll just make it out of thin air. They control the media. They control the megaphone. You can't stop it. This is a cancer within Washington where some drastic changes need to happen. And first and foremost, can you imagine the budget? I, I, I don't know what that number is, but if it was $71, million, uh, $71 billion, $71 billion for the 87,000 87, new agents, IRS agents, <clears throat> can you imagine what all that real estate, all those big IRS buildings, all those, all that red tape and, and, and bureaucracy costs the government on an annual basis. I bet you, I bet you that number is like a trillion dollars. And for what? So they can make your life miserable? There's got to be a simpler way. It's got to be like a flat tax, fair tax, sales tax, consumption tax, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. But from what I hear in these constitutional scholars, every last one of them says it's not in the Constitution to be taxing your income. I'm not a constitutional scholar, I'll admit. But I've heard it enough to know that that's correct. So let's recap the twenty last 24 hours of the 118th Congress, shall we? Biden caught with classified documents. Ben Sass resigns. Crenshaw misses in bid for Homeland Security Committee chair. And Schiff, Swalwell, and Ilhan Omar lose security clearances. The first GOP bill rolls back Biden's 87,000 agents, IRS Army. Wow. That's a good start. That's a really, really good start. And this is how they called it. This is how uh, Speaker McCarthy called it. And uh, it's a very short clip here. The yeas are 221 and the nays are 210. The bill is passed. Without objection, a motion to reconsider is laid on the table. So, that's pretty good. I think even a Democrat or two uh, 
decided against that bill, right? So that's pretty good. And here's other good news. Got more good news for a change. Matt Gates says Republicans will release 14,000 hours of J6 tapes January 6th that were hidden by Democrats. Gates for the win once again. Wow. That's pretty doggone good. That's pretty doggone good. So Matt Gates announces Republicans will release 14,000 hours. And uh, I like it. During an interview with Charlie Kirk on his radio show on Tuesday, Florida Republican Congressman Matt Gates announced the Republicans would be releasing 14,000 hours of January 6th tapes that have been hidden from the public. So one of uh, my favorite members of Congress is Thomas Massey, and the fact that he is going to be on this new committee, the church committee, really gives me hope, Kirk said during the interview. A lot of people have asked me what the church committee is about, and it's about the, um, it's derivative of Frank Church. We've played a few clips from Frank Church, and I have actually a whole bunch of footage from Frank Church. He was basically talking about um, government transparency, and he also said a lot of things about the CIA, and, you know, he's, he's come up quite a bit in my search research on CIA. Um, okay, so we got this UPenn professor offered Naomi Biden, Sleepy Joe's granddaughter, an all-expenses-paid trip from the CCP to China for the purpose of raising money for the Penn-Biden Center, where Sleepy illegally stashed top-secret documents were. So, you know, let me just say that... Uh, I, I know Penn very intimately. I've spent a lot of time over on the Penn campus. I go to the Pluster a lot. I used to when I lived in Philly. And um, and I know I know Penn very well. And I have good friends that were professors there. And I know how it works. And I know how liberal it is. I don't think people on the outside realize how how liberal these institutions are. And how hateful they are. And how corrupt they are. They're so corrupt. I mean, you know, Amy Gutman was the president of of Penn. And um, she got an ambassadorship to Germany. And Joe Biden, the Biden-Penn Center, he was making a million dollars a year doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. And he tried to sell the idea that he was a professor college professor at an Ivy League. The guy's as dumb as a rock. Everybody knows it. He's the dumbest person in the Senate. Everybody knew that for years, decades. And he's even botching all this stuff up. I mean, you should have seen him when he finally explained down in uh, Mexico. He finally took a question about the documents that he stole as a vice president. He's not even allowed to do that. He's supposed to, only a president can do that, take documents like that. He was nothing but a vice president. I do nothing, but he was no better than Kamala Harris. And he took all these documents, highly classified documents. And they're still trying to spin it like somehow he was better than Trump. When Trump had attorneys cooperating. But, you know, 
it's just that's politics as usual. But he had to read from a script. I mean, he wasn't even looking at the reporter when he was talking. He was reading from a piece of paper. Wow. I mean, the guy just can't think on his own, right? $54 million is what Chinese donated to the UPenn. $54 million for the Penn Biden uh, Center. And Amy Gutman turned turned around and got the ambassadorship, which is a gravy job, right? So she sold out. And uh, not only that, but... The $54 million from China is anonymous. And you know who made that happen? Anthony Blinken. You guessed it. Anthony Blinken. Anthony Blinken. What did he do? He got the Secretary of State job, a cushy job. Just ask Hillary Clinton. So it says the center is located in Washington, D.C., Opened its doors in February 2018, Anthony Blink Anthony Blinken, whom Biden named as Secretary of State, briefly served as its managing director. The Ivy League University received 15.8 million in anonymous Chinese gifts that year, including one eye-popping 14.5 million donation in May 2018 record show. That's a lot of money. The richest people in the world don't donate $14 million. That's a government donation. The flurry of donations may be related to first son Hunter Biden's business interests in China, the National Legal and Policy Center in Virginia. So basically they got electric vehicles, right? They got electric. They got mining in the Congo, right, through Freeport McMoran. They also got investments for Emperex to make the batteries from the cobalt that they got from the Congo. And then they put gas out of business. They closed down pipelines. They didn't renew leases. So they forced you you to buy electric. And now they're actually telling you that they want to ban your gas stove. You can't have a gas stove anymore. They're going to, that's the next shoe to drop. They want you all electric because they want that electric grid. But the batteries manufacturing for the electric vehicles they're subsidizing automobile companies for the electric vehicles while they're putting a mandate on banning combustible engines and that's driving the that's driving the inflation up at a time when we can't afford it so the middle class is also getting crushed and the people that are getting rich off of this the bidens in particular are laughing all the way to the bank. And they're getting away with it. It's like absolute murder to our country. I cannot believe we're allowing this to happen right before our eyes. And all I can do is tell you that it's happening and open your eyes and see it. But it's just so frustrating because you see it happening right before your eyes. I see it almost in slow motion. It's happening right there. So I'm reading this document. House will, uh, but there are, you know, hopefully the 118th Congress. If they pass this bill here, the House will vote on bill to abolish IRS, replace income tax. Now, I don't know how you do both, really. Um, I think you're going to need an IRS 
to manage the sales tax or flat tax or whatever you do. And I get that. But to to that's the headline, okay? I just read you the headline, right? It says here, the Republican-led House of Representatives will soon vote on legislation to abolish the IRS and replace the income tax code with a national consumption tax. So Representative Buddy Carr from Georgia, of all places, will introduce the Fair Tax Act on Wednesday. And Grover Norquist is a friend of ours, and um, and we could get him on. He's, he's head, he's the director of and founder of Fair Tax. Um, on Wednesday, a bill that would eliminate income, death, gift, and payroll taxes. So let's read this again. Buddy Carter... Republican from Georgia, will introduce the Fair Tax Act on Wednesday, today, a bill that would eliminate income, death, gift, and payroll taxes and replace the system with a national sales tax, a plan that proponents say would simplify the tax code and ends the need for the IRS. Think about how much money we would save just on that alone. That is just a mess massive amount of money. I I think it might be a trillion dollars a year, honestly. It's 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 that big. It's that burdensome. And people get anxiety every April 15th. So I agree with this 100%. Government should not be in the business of taxing the, your money like that. Sales tax, that's an option. And you know what else? In the wake of COVID, there's so many people that just didn't go back to work for whatever reason. And that those people have been taken out of the tax grid. They're no, they're no longer paying income tax. And so you would now be able to tax those people every time they buy anything. And you could always have it so, you know, food or clothing or whatever is not taxed as much as say, you know, if you buy a boat or something like that, there's all kinds of mechanisms to tax the rich. If that's what you wanted to do. Um, but the, the main thing is, is that this, I, I fully support this. And, um, I think it, I think it needs a lot of thought, but I definitely like the direction that they're going with it. Um, it says here, Representative Bob Good, Republican from Virginia, another co-sponsor, asserted that it would be bolster the U.S. economy since it encourages work, savings, and investment. I agree. According to Fox News, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy agreed to permit a floor vote on the legislation as part of an arrangement with the House Freedom Caucus to earn its support to become Speaker of the House. However, political analysts purport that the Fair Tax Act has little chance of becoming law as it would not garner enough votes in the Democratic-controlled Senate. Well, yeah, but you know what? The reason why I think it needs to be is because we need to hold these uh, congressmen accountable. So if they vote no, like Mitt Romney might vote no, or whoever might vote no, uh, we'll hold them accountable. There was an opportunity to, to be great, and they chose not to. So Representative Comer has been doing a lot on the speaking tours, and he's been on a lot of programs. He says schools... 
Uh, Representative James Comer schools Chuck Todd on the importance of the Hunter Biden laptop investigation. I think the only people who see this as partisan investigation are the media and the hardcore Democrats. Let's take a listen. Let me ask you this. You're going to do a lot of oversight. You're going to have a lot of subpoenas. Many people look at what you're doing and they see that it, it, it looks more partisan than professional. Um, Tell me how you're going to try to departisanize an investigation, or do you expect it to be partisan? Well, with all due respect, Chuck, I I disagree with that. I think the only people that see this as a partisan investigation are the media and the hardcore Democrats. Look, uh, at the same moment, that the Democrats on the Ways and Means Committee released Donald Trump's taxes. Uh, They then, moments later, turned around and said uh, Comer's investigation of the Biden family influence peddling is a revenge hearing. I mean, are you kidding me? Look, a Harvard poll just came out and said 65% of the Americans believe that uh, the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop should be investigated. But let me be clear. We're not investigating Hunter Biden. We're investigating Joe Biden. And I think... Any American who's kept up with the political process over the past two administrations would agree. We need to know uh, what is allowable and what isn't allowable with respect to uh, foreign adversarial uh, intervention among family members of presidents of the United States. That's something that the Democrats complained about with Kushner, and certainly the Republicans, myself included, have complained about you with see why Biden I and so Jim if, Biden, if you didn't like, son and brother. Let me We've ask got you this. to do something about If this. you didn't like the way the Democrats did it, it sounds like you're going to do it in the same way that they did it. How is it any better? No, very... It, I totally disagree with that. Adam Schiff always overpromised and underdelivered. He's Yeah, he did. And uh, Adam Schiff was just a big liar, and that's why he got uh, kicked off of the committees. Um, Representative Comer says this, Dems spent trillions and ignited historic inflation. Dems formed dystopia disinformation boards to police Americans online. Why has POTUS, who has reportedly kept classified materials in an unsecured location, never faced a raid? It's time for accountability. Let's take a listen. Next guest is the new GOP chairman of the House Oversight Committee. He says he plans to uh, ask the White House Counsel's Office and the National Archives for more information on this story. Let's welcome Congressman James Comer uh, of Kentucky. Uh, other, it's good to have you, um, uh, Congressman. Good other morning. than what we've that uh, that everybody has seen on this story, what can you tell us uh, that we may not know? Well, I can. Right. Well, we all know that uh, Mar Largo was raided uh, by the FBI. Uh, apparently because Donald Trump had taken some documents that were deemed classified to his residence. Now, uh, that was unprecedented to raid the residence of a former president. The research that we found said every president and vice president had mistakenly taken a few documents, but they had never been raided. Uh, President Biden was quick to condemn former President Trump. He called him irresponsible. And now what we found out yesterday is President Biden did the exact same thing. But we haven't seen any raid of President Biden's former residence. Look, this just goes uh, along with the narrative that a lot of people in America believe there's a two-tier system of justice at the Department of Justice. They believe that Donald Trump was treated differently than any other president. They believe Republicans are treated differently than Democrats. And that's one reason why we're launching a, a select committee to investigate the weaponization of the DOJ and FBI. It, uh, it was certainly 
at least we have the impression that, that uh, the situation with former President Trump was you know, exponentially worse than any past president and exponentially worse than this and that it's not going to be Apple. That's at least the, uh, the way that it's been portrayed. Do you know um, whether these are similar situations as one involve you know, 50,000 documents and the other involve uh, 500 documents. One involve highly classified, the other involve much less highly, because that's, you know, that's the way. It is. Biden gave them back. Trump didn't. Exactly. After well, he gave some back. Yes. Yeah. Right. Sadly, so we is it don't the same? Uh, the, we don't know, because when the Mar-a-Lago was raided, the National Archives is actually in the jurisdiction of my committee. They're normally a sleepy government bureaucracy that comes before our committee once a year to very low fanfare. But somehow they triggered a raid of the residence of the former president. We requested information on, uh, you know, the steps taken to, to raid. You know, why did they make this decision? How did they have the authority to make this decision? And exactly what types of documents did Donald Trump have? They wouldn't respond to us. They only referred us to the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland. Of course, we know... Uh, he's not going to respond with, with anyone. Well, now the same thing's happened to, to President Biden. So today we're sending out a, another formal request uh, asking again what exactly happened at Mar-a-Lago, what types of documents did former President Trump have uh, versus what types of documents does Joe Biden have. Now, remember, these documents were discovered November the 2nd before the midterm elections, but no one in the Biden administration told anybody that. And the only reason we know about it today is because CBS News somehow broke the story. So, again, another example of this administration not being transparent. And remember, the closing argument that Donald Trump or that Joe Biden made during the midterm election was that Republicans were a threat to democracy. And one reason he kept citing is uh, Donald Trump had classified documents. Now, here we know Joe Biden did the same thing. Let me ask you, uh, shift gears. Go ahead. See, here's what you're going to hear. It's it, it's not it's apples and oranges, right? Well, so no, that's, well, that's that's the question. That, that is. Well, that's what I just asked. So, do you want to ask it the, again? Well, it's the crux of the question, which is, do you? I mean, Joe did ask it. I'll ask it maybe marginally different. <laughs> you're going to ask it this way, <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, just, they're not showing me. You're going to well, get. I, I, there, hold on. But there are two pieces to it. One, which was that it was immediately and and, and very quickly. Um, identified and brought to the attention uh, of the National Archives. Is that is that too different than what has already taken place with 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 former President Trump unto itself? Well, according to the National Archives, they worked with the former president many times and they said that he began cooperating and then in the end wasn't cooperating. I don't know if that's true or not, but with former president or with current President Biden, Apparently, his attorneys supposedly turned the information over November the 2nd, but we're just now finding out about this. And the difference in finding out about it today versus November 2nd is it was right before an election. It kind of is a consistent pattern here, unfortunately, with with Joe Biden. If you'll remember during the first uh, presidential election between Biden and and Trump, the Hunter Biden laptop story would have been a major story, uh, which detailed... Uh, proof that Joe Biden was involved in the Biden family influence peddling, but yet we now know that because of Elon Musk and the Twitter dump, that uh, the FBI was suppressing the story. I'm not going to disagree with you that that it it sounds like it should have been disclosed disclosed immediately 
It clearly right. appears like it right. was disclosed immediately to the National Archives. The question is, should it have been disclosed to the public ahead of the election? That's a fair question. I, is that what your investigation is about? The disclosure of it to the public? Nope. Or is your disclosure, and is that different than this, this other situation with, the, with, with President Trump, which wasn't simply about disclosure to the public, but was literally about giving those documents back, right? I, exactly. Our investigation, it's not political. We just want to know what happened. We still don't know what happened at Mar-a-Lago. Now, we've heard Trump's side of the story, uh, which he said, you know, when they were talking about there were classified documents pertaining to North Korea, what he said, now this is what Trump said, he said all that was was a personal letter from Kim Jong-un to Donald Trump. Now, I don't know if that was the extent of it or not, but my theory has always been that Mar-a-Lago was raided because the January 6th committee knew that there was some, you know, misunderstanding between the National Archives and Trump. They used that as an excuse to try to go on a fishing expedition to see if they could find any more damaging evidence pertaining to their congressional investigation. That's a whole other story. But at the end of the day, anytime you have a little government bureaucracy that has the authority to, to, to trigger a raid on the residents of any American, much less the former president of the United States, we need to know exactly why. And I'm not accusing Joe Biden of wrongdoing. I think he probably made a simple mistake. You could say the same thing about Donald Trump. I don't know. That's what right. we're trying to find out. So, and it's it's unfortunate that it's taking this long to, to get basic answers that we all should have. So, uh, Congressman, it has been called Speakergate. It's not worth Speakergate, but I don't know what was it. It was, uh, you were there, you saw it. I saw. All right, so then they're going to get into the Speaker part. Uh, that was... Pretty interesting. Um, so I actually think that uh, the Mar-a-Lago um, had to do with Crossfire Hurricane and that they wanted to um, seal those records in a new investigation based on the Mar-a-Lago raid so that someone like Jim Jordan or Oversight or Judiciary cannot um, get access to the documents that they need to do a proper investigation now that they have the power and control of the chairmanship and the committees. That's what I think. So uh, Matt Gates introduces an amendment to allow C-SPAN cameras on the House floor at all times. So if you recall the Speaker um, uh, Gate thing that they were talking about, um, C-SPAN had these cameras where you could actually see you know, different people talking, you know, Jackson Lee was talking with Gates and, and Ocasio-Cortez was talking with somebody and it was kind of interesting and made for good theater. Um, they want to do that all the time. And uh, so that's kind of a fascinating thing as well. Let's take a listen to this. Can we get answers on J6? Can we get answers on this? Can we get answers on that? One of my favorite members of Congress is Thomas Massey and the fact that he's going to be on this new committee really gives me hope. Matt, do you anticipate allowing the dogs to be released, if you will, against this fourth branch of government? Yeah, Kevin McCarthy told us he's going to get the evidence out in front of the American people, and that means releasing the 14,000 hours 
of tapes that have been hidden that I think would give more full context to that day rather than the cherry-picked moments that the January 6th committee tried to use to inflame and further divide our country. So yes, I do believe that part of this deal is a concession that we are going to get the truth out in front of the American people. And you know what? Kevin McCarthy could have in his victory speech just said, well, the government is weaponized, but he was very specific in his language. He talked about the weaponization of the FBI specifically. His willingness to do that with particularity, I think shows that he's ready to lower his shoulder and to get into this fight that so many Americans expect us to be in on behalf of the civil rights that we hold dear. And contrast that to Paul Ryan or Boehner, who never would have done that. And you deserve a lot of credit, Matt, for steering that direction, because Kevin wanted to be speaker really badly. He said, wow, I'm not going to be speaker if I don't listen to these members and cut a deal. Is that is that a fair way to depict it or summarize it? Well, I think it is fair to say that we would not be in the position today had we had a smooth Tuesday. But I'm, I would rather have a turbulent four days and then come up with a process that we all believe in and commitments that we can rely on than have a really smooth takeoff and then two years of turbulence and not really knowing what's coming next. So I think this is a far preferable system. I think we've got our cards on the table right now. The American people know what to expect from a fighting Republican majority. The Senate knows to what they can expect from us regarding how we are going to comport ourselves and handle the legislative process professionally like adults. And I thought it was interesting to hear people give speeches about the institution, about what drives decisions here in Washington, D.C., and we want to make this a better place. Transparency is the key, and these people work for us. And the other part is um, it's important that we, uh, you know, we have a better Congress now than we have ever had uh, well, than we've had in a long time. You know, keep in mind that when Donald Trump took office, Paul Ryan was the speaker. Right now, you know, if anything, McCar- Kevin McCarthy, uh, his stock can rise, and he knows he he's savvy enough to know. He's savvy enough to know what happened last week, that the MAGA movement and America First really put a dent into the GOP, and. It's that kind of thing, that messaging that says, okay, it's Trump's party now, and we are going to uh, acquiesce toward that notion. Uh, I think it's absolutely important that, we, uh, that they realize that, that the, the power and the momentum is on getting things done. The Freedom Caucus right now has more power and control than they've ever had before. So we got John from the Chicago area. John, welcome to the Scott Adams Show. Hi, Scott. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I want to take a crack at what you said earlier. And pretty much everything you're talking about today really goes back to the globalism. <clears throat> and it goes back to the huge government that you are, are always touching upon. Uh, as far as, you know, you mentioned, well, the globalists seem to be winning in all these places. And I, I would argue, and I think others uh, would argue. Through coercion. Directly, they're, directly not winning heart, they're not winning hearts and minds, Well, though. right. Yeah, they're winning through sticks, not carrots. Agreed. Uh, if you listen to people like Gregory Copley, yeah, they'll talk about how this this era may be ending, is ending actually, and it's moving more towards a multipolar world, which will will allow for more uh, national autonomy and human freedom. The globalism, I, I think, is 
driven by, we can talk about this, the longer conversation, but the environmentalism, I think, is largely to promote the globalism because it, 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 it basically argues for strong government that supersedes our individual rights, right? If yeah, yeah, the whole carbon footprint uh, regulation is about control, yes. Exactly. The, because they, it says, you know, we need to do this as a concerted effort, and we all have to be on board, and that means there has to be a national governmental Yeah, I mean, uh, they managed initiative. to use COVID to lock you in and control your movement. They're using COVID, our carbon footprint now in England, to say you can only live in this quarter. And if you want to go to the other quarter, you have to do go a certain route or you have to get permission in some way. There's a limit to how much driving you can, you know, so it's crazy. Right. And, and that, that has driven a sort of an effort to intervene and so influence other countries. But, it, but it's also, you know, there's other developments, I think, that have encouraged that. You know, it, internally, the drive towards big government has been everything from race, right? If you talk about what they did in the South, that's, well, we need to intervene because they're racist, right? And the same thing after, after Civil War. That was one issue. Whether it's women's rights, whether it's this, any, any particular group they want to defend, well, we need national legislation. What does that promote? Promotes less human freedom, individual freedom, whether you like how someone exercises it or not, and less states' rights because it's seen as a national issue. So we've had this, this move towards centralization here, and that has come along with what I would call basically with direct fascism. I mean, people talk about fascism all the time. They don't understand the word. Mussolini was the original fascist, right? Before Hitler. And what he defined it as is the government using the state as instrument of power. Basically, the government is the hand and the business is the fist. I'm sorry, is the, uh, is the glove. And that's kind of what's been going on. If you think about so many ways in which the government has sort of manipulated and used business to accomplish it then, whether it be through subsidies, let's say, of Tesla, yeah. or you know, yeah. direct mandates, that's how they do it. So I think that that has co- created this sort of this, this authoritarian mindset here. But the uh, go that with the authoritarian, I'm sorry, with the environmentalism. I think that and the fact that we've got this crony system has made it so much easier in an era of what we had a global business yeah. to promote American interests yeah. ar- uh, uh, abroad. And I would argue that it's it's really America and Western Europe driving this. Nobody else is driving this. Yeah, and you if know what? America the, loses. Yeah, go ahead, finish that. Well, if, and I'll say when, NATO and America, frankly, lose their war against Russia, and they're going to lose that, that, along with China asserting itself over time, is causing people to wake up and say, you know, the emperor has no clothes. You can resist the hegemon and still survive. And I think eventually China exerts control over Taiwan. And it starts to create this multipolar reality, which well, we that even was that, and that, that goes back to that, that's what Japan was expecting when they bombed Pearl Harbor. You know, they were expecting that they would control the Asia Asia area. Uh, they thought that Germany would prevail and they would control all of Europe, and they thought that America would control all of North America. And they saw a three tier world order, and we're actually heading into because of globalism. And the failures of globalism, uh, we're, we're heading toward that type of a uh, crisis once again. And, you know, the World Economic Forum is a liaison, okay? The, and I've never said this before, and it just had this vision in my head, that the World Economic Forum is a liaison between all of the Western governments and um, the uh 
uh, and corporations. Uh, using the, the, see, the World Economic Forum is a mechanism for governments to go through the World Economic Forum and control corporations, or, or put that in reverse. Corporations access the governments with their cooperation of the World Economic Forum, and it goes both ways. It's a full duplex kind of thing. Meaning that the World Economic Forum is in a liaison, sort of like a, um, you know, a hub where government and corporations cooperate. Do you follow? Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. But two things: one is that what is that? But fascism. <laughs> yeah, that is. We're going to and, and that, you know, and a lot of purpose. people don't realize too. The Jim Crow laws were put together by Southern Democrats, right? And they, much of what they did was unconstitutional, but it became guidance and law uh, in the local areas because corporations, with a wink and a nod, cooperated with their brothers in government. And that's how you had the Green Book and things like that. It was through cooperation between private and public. Fair enough, fair enough. You 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 mentioned WEF. That was founded. Schwab founded that for that purpose, sort of to sort of create this synergy so they could exert control. And if where, you where, now, where you where they, you have laws that don't jive with constitutions, and every government has constitutions that are altruistic, and then what happens is you you need uh, to, uh, because like Obama said, the constitution's a flawed document. You need a you need a liaison to interface with corporations to skirt around the Constitution. So the World Economic Forum is all about taking away the rights of people uh, in a modern world where they seem to think that somehow you need a fix to the broken constitutions of many, many governments. Well, that's exactly right. If you look, listen to Yuval Noah Harari, who's the little court jester, the intellectual yeah. court jester for Schwab, and he talks about this, how most people are uh, sort of surplus eaters, which, you know, is probably true to a certain extent. Yeah. But, you know, their, their plans for us are, uh, are, are sort of, uh, are, you know, almost that, uh, almost James Bond-like. And, you know, and another example of the sort of the, the idealistic uh, constitution, look at the Canadian Charter of Human Rights. That's another one. That's a, yeah. uh, read that one. That's, that's kind of hard to take. Well, anyway, I'll, I'll let you go. I, I see the music is playing. Yeah. All right. Thank you. And we'll talk again right. soon. All right, so that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams show. You know, uh, I, uh, yeah, I had a couple of other clips I wanted to play. We'll probably get to those tomorrow. But uh, I want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in to the Scott Adams show. Thank you for that. And be sure to check out org and make a donation if you can because it helps Red State Talk Radio and the Scott Adams show uh, disseminate this information, do the good research that we're doing, and advance America First policies to make America great again. So that helps. Magapack.org. And then also use Red State over at MyPillow.com. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Take a hole a little deeper just to bury my kids right up to there.